Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real-life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best lives. I'm Jenny Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. I'm really excited today. We have with us two ladies that I met actually almost 20-something years ago, I think, long time ago. They were doing some holistic therapies, and I met them at a midwifery conference. We were reacquainted because we attended a meeting for single women, and they were talking about epigenetics and what they're involved in now, and I was super interested in what they had to say. You know, one thing is when you get really involved in the singles world, you discover that there's a whole level of self-awareness and growth and all kinds of things that you get to learn. In like, adult single people? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of information out there. And the longer you're single and you're trying to like figure out like, why am I still single? Or especially for a lot of divorced people, they're, they're evaluating like, what sure. went wrong in my relationship? How can I improve myself, right? So you're learning about attachment styles, personality styles, love languages. Like there's so many different aspects of personality and self-awareness that you learn about. And I have a background in massage therapy and a more holistic background myself. And I just, it really resonated with me, the conversations that they were having about epigenetics and healing our past traumas. So I want to introduce you to Camille and Corinne Sullivan. Camille, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? All right. Thanks, Michelle. And it is a pleasure to be here. I loved that you introduced the awareness that we have, and particularly because oftentimes it is through unique circumstances, whether it's through divorce or whatever the case may be for many of us, is we begin to assess what patterns are recurring. So as you do know, and as you had introduced, you know, I'm the co-founder of Liberty Living, and I, I have practiced as a serial entrepreneur now for over 20 years, so that does date me, and specialize in, you know, holistic practices as well as holistic psychology, uh, integrating the mind-body practices and orientations. However, I had an in-person clinic as a practitioner of health and nutrition and behavioral iridology, and with a desire to practice remotely, my uh, twin sister, Quinn and I, we compiled our fully accredited diploma programs that were facilitated from our separate healing practices into a compressed online system and becoming authors and educators, holistic therapists, and so forth in the latter part of our careers. Because we have always subscribed to the philosophy 
of addressing the source of the cause and treating the core programming. Therefore, also on a DNA level, which is the epigenetic, it includes the epigenetic and behavioral pattern to achieve optimal health and healing. So I do believe firmly when we turn inward, we can also access our internal resources to achieve the goal and provide the holistic scope and lifelong solutions. And, you know, without the short-term fixes and repeating those painful lessons <laughs> that we often see. So that is more or less been our approach now with our therapeutic modalities. That's awesome. Corinne, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And I've actually really enjoyed listening to some of your shows and the resiliency. So I just want to start with a little bit about our background, just what's kind of led us down this path. So as twins, we experienced birth trauma and some other adverse childhood experiences, including trauma and health conditions and different autoimmune disorders. And I had a lot of personal losses of, you know, different loved ones in my life. And this just kind of led us on a healing path to remedy our own adverse experiences using all natural approaches. And we did actually start out going down the traditional medical route, but we didn't have any success going down that road. And so consequently, we ended up pursuing an education and a career in psychology at well, for me, psychology and naturopathic medicine. We both studied different, you know, some similar but not identical education and studies. So, and we applied everything to ourselves first. And so this is actually part of the holistic curriculum is they actually have you kind of practice your own medicine. And that's not really something you can always safely do in some traditional medical systems. And so one of our mottos has become to master your own medicine. And that's to kind of help us to become more qualified as a professional. So um, we ended up developing a very broad background in holistic sciences, you know, so psychology, hypnotherapy, substance abuse counseling, and um, natural medicine. And we've been involved in this practice since 2000 and, you know, also during the years of going to school. And so we studied holistic iridology, and I did this really cool epigenetic testing with voice mapping that um, also used, like, audiovisual entrainment and psychodynamic therapies and EMDR, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, anyway, counseling, just in a bunch of different things. So this kind of led us to doing a lot of different types of assessments and treatment plans and, you know, dietary nutrition, lifestyle plans, using herbal medicine, natural detoxification, and being able to incorporate all of this into our clinical practice for a couple of different decades. So, and I think Camille had mentioned that once we started working with epigenetics, we realized we were getting to the root of a lot of people's problems. That was the common denominator. And so we started incorporating it into our practice. That's so, so awesome. And it's so mm -hmm. cool. So before we get really into the nuts and bolts of this, I want to ask you both, what does resiliency mean to you? And so Camille, tell me, what, what does resilience mean to you? Oh, Michelle, that's an excellent question. You know, I think the system hasn't equipped us with proper coping skills. So I believe the most vital issue we can address as well as develop is the healthy coping behaviors, whether it is to overcome repeat patterns from our past conditioning or trauma or the epigenetic inheritance. It's the most fundamental step that we find is most commonly missed in knowing the proper adaptive responses, which causes us to unfortunately prolong the problem and recycle those patterns. 
So therefore, the, we're repeating the painful patterns instead of transforming the conditions that we wish to change to ensure we can successfully advance to the next stage of our life. And when we lack healthy coping strategies or the right resources available, we're unfortunately denied of the ideal solutions that reduces us only to circling around the problem. And I don't know if you see people often uh, maybe circling around the problem being addicted to it, but it's because we haven't addressed the coping responses with the proper adaptive mechanisms. And, you know, we'll turn to anesthetizing with poor coping and escaping behaviors, whether it's addiction or, or codependency or anything to unfortunately avoid that big four-letter word of fear. So I think those adaptive emotional responses teach us resiliency by identifying new healthy coping strategies. Yeah, I love it. One of the most, like the premier number one uh, thing about resiliency or like building your resiliency muscles is being able to call things out for what they are, seeing things for what they are and accepting them. And so it is... I mean, people, we are creatures of habit and we tend to not like change, but actually change happens all around us all the time. And once we get comfortable with understanding that we have to see things for what they truly are and accepting them for what they are, it really does help us to start to be able to make moves that are actually productive for our lives and to get the results that we need. And that helps us become stronger and more resilient. So I love that. Corinne, what is resiliency mean to you? I actually agree a lot with both of what you have said. And, you know, I would probably just, you know, have, I think, sum it up to overcoming. So although there's more to it than that, of course, we become more empowered when we gain new wisdom and these new coping skills and strategies and the knowledge of each of the challenges that we incorporate into each of the challenges that we face and overcome from being a victim to a victor. Yeah. So, you know, we're basically developing these coping skills and incorporating them into our life to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And it's building those muscles of resiliency, right? It's like once you call it mm-hmm. out and understand it, own it, and you learn and you do something different, you do something new, that builds muscle, builds strength, it builds courage and the capacity to understand that we can get better at these things and that we we can make these changes that move us forward rather than staying in a, in a downward cycle or just the same cycle or stuck. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Beautifully said. It's recoding. It's like recoding the pattern. Yeah. I love that. We've got to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk about this epigenetics and, and have you guys explain what that is. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. 
That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. And we're back. Corinne, tell us, what is epigenetics? So it's a very fascinating science, and epigenetics explores the ways in which environmental factors alter the way genes express themselves, as well as demonstrates that our genes are also shaped by our life experiences and our ancestors' life experiences, and how it had an effect on us. So this includes certain traits and behaviors that we inherit, as well as memories and traumas that are acquired in one generation and that are passed on to subsequent generations, and also traumatic experiences because traumatic experiences produce epigenetic changes that can be transmitted. And in fact, if we were to take that further, a majority of our emotional and psychological distress that we experience and encounter in life is actually a result of a genetic or an epigenetic disposition because it was actually genetically transferred from our parents and grandparents or other ancestors. And this is what we refer to as transgender epigenetic inheritance or transmitted trauma in our DNA through our our RNA strands. And that actually is what makes overcoming a lot of different health challenges or mental health challenges a lot more difficult to overcome because they're a lot more stubborn and rigid, you know, because they're down at the root and core DNA level. So this also includes our propensities toward things like addiction and psychiatric conditions, such as common things that we all deal with, anxiety, fear, or maybe panic attacks, insecurities, worry, self-doubt, you know, poor habits, depression. We're prone to a lot of these unwanted behaviors due to a lot of our genetic and epigenetic tendencies. So that really does sum up a lot of our underlying challenges. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a conscious thing, right? I mean, we're picking up on this. No. It's energetic. Like it can even be passed down from parents to children, grandparents, ancestors, way back, way back. Yeah, and we talk about that being psychologically, and like you said, it's not really conscious. It's something that's kind of more in your subconscious and unconscious. And so you need to really be able to access your belief system from your subconscious mind and what's unconscious. And then that's why you kind of come into the different therapies or psychodynamic working with the subconscious mind to be able, like hypnotherapy type of of approaches in order to access these types of, and looking at patterns, you talk about awareness and, and that the single world is, has a lot more awareness because they're evaluating themselves and they want to work toward personal growth. Right. Absolutely. So a lot of this stuff, it's not conscious, but some of it may be able to be drawn back through hypnotherapy, other modalities. Is that even really necessary? Do you have to recall it? If you are able to call it, does that mean that that's the memory or a history that's being expressed for you? That is a good question. So we took basically our training and we moved it online. And it's like I used to do a lot of this in person, you know, these different therapies. And so it was, okay, we need to lean on our professional skills of being able to help people detect a lot of these generational patterns. And so it's not necessary to go into hypnotherapy. Like you don't need to get into a hypnotic state in order to be able to recall this or recall some of these memories. But you're going to see certain behaviors, certain patterns and things that, you know, we could bring to your attention. So we've basically devised, you know, genetic recoding and epigenetic recoding systems for this. So there's not a lot of 
epigenetic psychological therapies out there. We haven't found any. So this is one that we've specialized, come to specialize in. So there is a whole process and therapeutic process to it. And Michelle, I can provide examples. If yes, that is go ahead. That's more helpful for your mm-hmm. audience, if, if, if I may. And because the epigenetic tags can also be passed down to future generations, we have to recognize that for instance, that also includes the physical health conditions as well as the psycho-emotional transmissions of our ancestors that, you know, Corinne summed up, meaning both physical and psychological traits. So it's encoded in our subconscious beliefs, as you were suggesting. It's not anything we're doing consciously. However, it helps to unpack the subconscious programming so if our parents endure difficulty in their youth, they'll likely repeat the pattern in future and primary relationships. And then the same propensity is passed down. And we may find that oftentimes we're swinging the pendulum to overcorrect or even overcompensate. And sometimes often because we don't want to repeat our parents' patterns or mistakes. So it's really, it's really common that you know, we carry forward some of these patterns and it's unwittingly transferred to either a partner or spouse, whatever the case may be, because it's a familiar pattern that's formed in our programming. So the classic examples of epigenetic patterns can be the addiction, codependency, or marital patterns that Corinne has suggested. And it does really help to gain the self-knowledge and self-awareness as self-awareness is the first step. But we have several other steps that help us to recode the actual programming, which is what we designed in our system. That sounds really exciting. So what what does it look like when you work on past traumas? What does that look like for a person that wants to take your course and start working on themselves? Well, and if you if you don't mind, Michelle, I wanted to just go back really quick. You were talking about like, you have to be aware. And I did want to add that We have been able to work with people who have been adopted or didn't know their biological parents. So you don't actually have to know your biological parents as long as you kind of have some of these steps that are going to help you get there to kind of do some of the detective work, you know. So basically a lot of it is how I see it is basically addressing the trauma. So changing our beliefs and our negative programming by, we talked about accessing the subconscious mind on a genetic level. So we're getting to the root and actually facing and confronting it. And I think this is something that you would appreciate because it's kind of a little bit more along some of your philosophies too, is basically not fearing or avoiding it and avoiding those parts of ourselves because that's really a lack of our own self-acceptance or our denial because a lot of people sometimes are afraid to go there. And so, you know, I think therapists and, you know, different practitioners were there to kind of help guide people so that it's not such a scary, uncomfortable process so that we can kind of help them lead to that part of our, our mind to access and kind of sometimes face some of those uncomfortable places that we don't want to take a look at, right? And, and I don't like to refer to the mind as a software programming, but just, you know, kind of like similar to that software, we reframing our beliefs and rewiring the neural circuitry of our psychology, we actually activate the correct gene expression and we can effectively heal the distortions of inherent or genetically transferred programming, such as past traumas and things that are making us sensitive or more easily triggered to specific traumas or anxieties or different things that we might be psychologically and easily triggered toward because of our epigenetics. So what look like if like I came to you and said, I'm really interested in this program. It's online now, so I don't have to go to an office. Go ahead, Camille. 
So again, Corinne was discussing the, the genetic recoding and the therapeutic process of our program. And there actually are some customized programs. However, we do offer a complete eight-week program with our Panacea system, which is the seven-step system. So it's fully transmuting the programming, transmuting the presenting trauma to guide clients to their own answers, and they can overcome the adversity that they hope to overcome, those obstacles. I like to look at it as it's generally the 20% that we're focusing on that can activate that negativity bias of, you know, why does this feel like there's something that, you know, has been more challenging to overcome. So it really helps us to use the system that's comprised of the genetic recoding as well as other popular therapeutic modalities to remove the distortions and heal relationships and dissolve the triggers anxiety, and other psychological or mental health issues to achieve that mental and emotional empowerment and freedom that we're seeking. And participants can also even attend our upcoming online workshop that we're holding this January, Tuesday, January 17th from 5 to 6 p.m. And the cost is reduced with a group program for those who don't want to do the one-on-one. Otherwise, we do offer that private one-on-one session as well with one of our trained professionals. Okay. So... I'm just sitting here thinking I've done a lot of like self-awareness, a lot of work. I've done a lot of body work. I've done a lot of therapy. I've had counselors. I've had life coaches. Sure. But I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what's something superficial that we could kind of just use as a... Like a role play. A role play. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, one of the things growing up for me is that my grandparents were very sedentary. Like they just sat in their recliners and watch a lot of television. And my parents kind of do that too. And it's always been something that really bothered me. And yet, and I'm not very sedentary. I stay up and moving a lot in my house and I don't turn on my TV very often, but I'd really rather instead of just being busy to stay busy and not have that, like, well, at least I'm not just sitting in a chair watching TV. I would really like to, to maybe resolve, I would like to have like a regular exercise routine that I actually enjoyed sure. mm-hmm. or something. And I feel like I I do things like during the summer, I'll do my stand up paddleboard or whatever. I do things to be active, but I would like a regular routine. And I've been working on doing a regular yoga practice and I enjoy it when I do it. But there is something mentally blocking my actual mm-hmm. enjoyment to do it on a regular basis. And so would this, yeah. would, would this be something that I could actually take this little thing and kind of do your program on January 17th? And is this something that I could maybe resolve? Absolutely. I mean, we usually get into much deeper, like you said, you're purposely right. trying to pick something that's kind of simple and superficial. And you could look at the genetic tendency of not, you know, your, you just say your parents or your grandparents. Yeah, both, both, both. both. Okay. Of yeah. not, obviously not having a lot of a physically active lifestyle and you're like, okay, I want to be able to incorporate that into my lifestyle. So we would look at a lot of the inherited traits and look at how you can find a perfect balance and blend because that's really what we want is we, we want to become the best epigenetic potential that we can. Right. So we would start working with that step-by-step and we look at like mirrors, we look at some of your resistance, we look at some of the beliefs and we walk you through all of those different steps until we're rewiring the mind. You know, I, I was just kind of picking this out of the top of my head off of something that was kind of like superficial, but honestly, it's actually something that's really bothered me. 
Okay. Probably for yeah, my whole life. So, I, you know, it's probably <laughs> actually something I should do. Anyway. Why not? Yeah, why, why not? not? <laughs> because well, I, because it's, it's not really about, like, I need to... It's really about being healthy, right? Like, right. Um, I look at you guys. Uh, I know you personally. You are very healthy. You you have beautiful. I'm not trying to objectify you, but you guys have very <laughs> beautiful bodies. You're very healthy. You're very fit. You don't have any extra weight. I, I probably can never be that thin because I don't think genetically I was ever supposed to be, but. At the same time, I feel like I could be healthier, and and I am doing things. I've recently lost 10 pounds, but it is interesting. It's like, I wonder what my ideal body weight really is. I don't really know. Right. And so- Michelle, you picked an excellent example, and I I apologize to interject, but I wanted to use this because I even think that your audience or viewers may be able to relate to whether it's, you know, health or even weight related that they find is also they want to transform their gene expression and it may appear very simple but there's so many more complexities to it and it's that common resistance persistence within our genes that we recognize that there's more resistance sometimes that's inviting the opposition but because it is genetic it it takes a few steps to really recode that programming so i think this is actually a really good example that you provided yeah i'm actually starting to think this is one thing that I want to do and then who knows where it will lead and what other issues will come up and breakthroughs I can have. This is awesome. We need to take another break. And when we come back, we want to talk about how somebody does engage your services. So we're going to take a break and we will be right back. We're back. Corinne, tell us, how does someone engage your services? Well, we have a variety of different options, to be honest. And so we have holistic programs that cover and provide everything from A to Z. So that includes the healing side of it, as well as the professional side of it. So the training qualifications and international accredited certification for those who want to get trained and certified. And we offer the complete and remote business model. So people can actually be either physical or online or both. And this also helps people implement a full holistic turnkey curriculum into their business because we have a whole holistic curriculum online that people can get certified in, but they can also just take part of the healing programs that are available. So we offer the healing work, and that is also a prerequisite to becoming an accredited practitioner is them doing their own inner healing, like I was saying, the mastering your own medicine. So we do provide that coursework that along with the training and qualifications that enables practitioners to complete their own inner healing as that prerequisite and to become the certified holistic practitioner for those that are interested and for people who would just want the services. You know, that's something that they can just look at online and they can either do one-on-one, they can do group workshops, they can just do a self-paced program on their own. So we have all those different options available. And then we also have affiliate member programs as well as professional affiliate member programs. So it just kind of depends on it's 
customizable. We usually do a consultation and determine exactly what the person needs. Well, that's a free consultation. So they just contact us for that or schedule an appointment for that. And then we decided and kind of help break down exactly what they need and what would be the best option for them. Pricing programs and pricing plans and all of that's available. Oh, awesome. So how does somebody contact you? So we, our website is, it's liberatedliving.com forward slash consultation is basically where they would go online. And we actually have an icon in our name. So it's L-I-B-E-R, the number eight, which stands for the DNA strand or the infinity sign, <laughs> edliving.com. And they can also contact us. We do have a business number at 801-876-7077. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for that. I, it it sounds really fascinating. It's it's a very different approach. So we are talking a holistic practice rather than a Western traditional uh, psychology mm-hmm. route. It's a little bit different. I have a question. Um, just listening, this is new mm-hmm. to me. I'm mm-hmm. new to epigenetics. I haven't been a doula, background in massage, and some of these things. Mm-hmm. I wholly believe in the whole body and the whole being. So this is fascinating. Is there a certain commonality among your clients? Are there certain issues or um, like something you specialize in? Like a lot of people with weight loss concerns mm-hmm. or physical things or this addiction, grief or, or addiction. Yeah. Is there something that, that you tend to find um, not most suited for, but commonly seen in your personal practice, the people that you're helping? Or is this really just if there's anything that you're trying to work through at all from any generation, we can help yeah. you. I mean, are there commonalities like, hey, this is maybe a really common problem or issue that we definitely have a lot of experience helping people resolve? Does sure. that make sense? Jenny, that's a, yes, Jenny, that's an excellent example. And, and I like that you also preface that because it's holistic, we're addressing the whole body, which is mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And as Corinne has suggested prior, we were using advanced cutting edge equipment and always turning to something external, an external solution to try to uh, optimize our healing. And when we recognize the preeminence in holistic sciences and working with pretty much psychology, the 80% of the psychology and belief, we, uh, we were getting to the epigenetic level and found that that was the core challenge that was underpinning all of our clients' chief complaints as well. And the majority of them, I would say, are, are primarily relationship-oriented or related. So it's wanting to ha- improve their relationships or heal their relationships. But for the most part, it does come down to kind of a level of self-worth, self-acceptance, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even establishing stronger boundaries for themselves. They're, so for the most part, it, it's just knowing what resisting what was within their gene expression and not recognizing that that was causing the majority of their problems, which is yeah. why we created a panacea system. And we, we call it a pan, panacea because we could really work with anyone on their own psychology. And that's, you know, universal for to anyone. That's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it is interesting how much our minds really impact our health and wellness. Absolutely. You know, the more self-aware I've work that I've done and the more I work with other people in dealing with the things that they want to accomplish, it always ends up being that they're being held back by some belief. And sometimes that belief, they're not even sure where they picked up on it. 
Right. Yeah. So, so that so psychosomatic type of things like we experience. I've pulled myself out of sometimes physical health issues just with my mind. Even though I'll take care of my body and practice, you know, I have healthy practices in my life. But just ha- doing positive meditation and you know, uplifting, you know, outlook and you know, perspective, and I can pull myself out of something, a physical ailment or something. Yeah, and mm-hmm. vice versa, right? Right. Yeah. It's it, it really is powerful and impactful. Yeah. And whether it is even just trying to achieve the ideal health or weight, we find that majority of the time we're doing everything we can in our own power and have feel like we've tried everything, but we realize there's some psychological aspect that's under, you know, underlying and, you know, uh, scoring that issue. And once we actually get to that, that's when, you know, they can have some breakthroughs and feel empowered with more successful results. Yeah. You know, I've recently have this allergy and I know you guys are aware of it because we went out to lunch and mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I said oh I'm gluten-free and then the table went crazy the waiter the waiter didn't want to serve us any food it was a nightmare I'm like no they can order whatever they want but actually there was other people with other allergies too it was funny anyway this journey for me like I haven't done anything to lose weight all I've done is developed a wheat rye and barley allergy that has rocked my world. Come on, what felt like suddenly, I mean, I'd been having like these sneezing episodes every time I ate like a flour tortilla or something. I don't eat a lot of carbs. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really noticing all the time or that this was like creating an upset with my body. Like I, I had noticed it for a year and I thought it was odd but I didn't right. realize where it was heading. And now it's so severe that even if I have a sauce that had a little bit of soy sauce added to it and somebody cross-contaminated my plate with their food yeah. or whatever, it wreaks havoc on my body. My throat literally wow. starts to shut down. I'm carrying EpiPens. Yeah, I go into mm-hmm. anaphylactic response. Uh, and so... Mm-hmm. I'm carrying Benadryl with me all the time. I'm very nervous to eat out because I can't trust that the kitchen is not cross-contaminating food. But the interesting thing is, is really the only thing I've eliminated for sure out of my diet is white wheat and barley. And my body has just released the weight. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. And you tend to usually crave the thing that your body's allergic to, so it's harder to actually discipline yourself away from it. And even though there's a lot of inconvenience that you're experiencing with going through the allergy and feeling like you can't eat out and trying to change your diet and everything, we kind of have a phrase that we use that it's happening for us, not to us, Mm -hmm. because then we start to actually learn healthier principles, and then you can start correcting it. And then once you're kind of balanced, your diet or your physical health is more in balance and you kind of correct a little bit of the, I mean, yours is a pretty extreme allergy, you, you know, mm-hmm. you need to carry the EpiPen. But, you know, once you kind of get that a little bit under control, then you're not as reactive to it. Right. You know, you're, does that make sense? Yeah. So and they're you, sending you me to... start to level out a little eventually. Yeah. They're sending me to an allergist and my doctor keeps telling me, you're going to be able to eat it again. They can probably um, get your body to accept it. It's... You know, there's something shifting in your body. But to be honest, I've learning to cook more at home and to, to you know, I've cleaned out my pantry and my refrigerator. I'm a pretty healthy eater anyway. Like I don't drink dairy uh, milk products. I only make my own 
like coconut milk, oat milk, and uh, yep. cashew milk. I've never, drank, but I've never <laughs> drank um, milk even as Dairy a child. Milk. It's yeah. it's not ever been anything that I I felt like I wanted. So it's been yeah. an interesting thing that even though I have really healthy. Like I raised my kids uh, drinking wheatgrass and spirulina. Perfect. <laughs> right. I wish yeah. I was raised that way. Adopting a, a plant-based lifestyle, really. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I really am getting more plant-based, although I, I can eat meats and stuff like that. Like that's not a problem and I'm not hard on that. But it's really mm-hmm. interesting that I have been asking myself, like, what do I want to eat? And I've mm-hmm. been coming up, like, I used to always have a protein shake in the morning with mm-hmm. some, like, fruit in it. And I discovered Aussie eyeballs, and I've been able to find mm-hmm. it, frozen packs of it. And so I've mm-hmm. been making my own at home. And then I, I love, discovered... I love acai bowls. Yeah, acai, that's how you say it. I can never say that word right. Yeah. Acai. And then... um. I discovered these bowls actually in Washington, D.C., and they drizzle like some Nutella on it, but Nutella has tons of sugar in it. Mm-hmm. And while it was really enjoyable, I f- just found a hazelnut recipe to make your mm-hmm. own Nutella without yeah. the added sugars. And Yay! I, yeah, I'm doing like all, and I'm like, why? And it, the crazy thing is this one shift, and I think really honestly, I have such severe reactions and my throat starts to close off. It's very scary. It's really made me like excited for these changes. Like I get super excited about learning this new way of eating. Mm -hmm. Eating. Yeah. You sound like you become very creative in the kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. And and I think it is kind of inspiring my creativity and I'm just using it in a different way now. And, um, and so it's not all bad, right? So like when oh, you said, right. it's happening. And it's catalyzed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's happening for us. new opportunities right. and diet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think that's incredible that you're taking it on with with motivation, ambition, and maybe even feeling new inspiration in the kitchen. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And maybe, yeah, when, maybe even seeing some more positive results because you are doing it with excitement, which I think is key. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it, which is awesome, right? Like, yeah. It, yeah, I, I would have... I would have never gotten here without such a severe reaction. Yeah, it actually causes us to be introduced to new foods. I went, when we started changing our diet more than 20 years ago, it was the same thing. It was, it wasn't, my diet didn't become limited going more plant-based. My diet became more broad and diverse. I just, there were so many more foods I became introduced to so many more, you know, different kind of dishes that I, I mean, I love food like you, you're a foodie. I love food. Yeah, you know? I do too. And I love really good tasting food. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's healthy. To, yeah. Yeah. And to also avoid those allergic, you know, foods that unfortunately are more processed. Yeah. So I think more people are having reactions because we have more processed foods. Yeah. It yeah. is interesting because the amount of people having allergies now is kind of ridiculous. And so many people I'm meeting that are in their 50s and their bodies are like rejecting our food. And so mm-hmm. it it is, it's kind of an interesting thing that we're into, but I love how this can go back to epigenetics and that really like some of this might be genetic. Some of it, it's, it is also interesting that like, for instance, I would go out and get a Del Taco grilled chicken taco and I'd have one of those. And that was enough for me. I'm not a big eater whenever I do eat, 
And so one of those isn't necessarily unhealthy, but I will tell you, I never felt like I was actually feeding my body. I was just satiating my hunger. And the thing that I've noticed about this new lifestyle for me is that when I eat, I feel like I'm caring and nourishing my body and I have more energy. More energy. Exactly. Like when people would eat something unhealthy for lunch and they're just like, they get the afternoon slumps. It's like, well, you probably didn't eat any healthy, energizing, life, fresh food, you know? Right. You can't eat some of the other stuff, but, you know, throw in some fresh life food with your meal. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Anyway, it kind of was a silly thing to use, but I think it worked, actually. And it's really where we started our journey as well with with diet, exercise, exercise sciences, and so forth, and wanting to improve our own life as well as help clients as well. And so that's when we, you know, had seen, again, the common thread with the psychology. Yeah. (laughs) One more question on this therapy, the process. How long does it take? We live in such a world of like instant fast food, instant all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. We want instant media, instant news, instant everything. Instant results. Instant results. And, <laughs> and we know that, that that it doesn't necessarily work that way. But how long does this take? And, and like if you're taking one issue, let's say I do it for this one issue, then can I repeat the program for other things? Or, or while I'm in that mm-hmm. process, might I discover other things? Yes, absolutely. And that's an excellent question because honestly, Michelle, I believe that the best shortcut is to address the core issue mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. start to finish versus prolonging the problem. Right. So in the world of instant gratification, we often want the results now, otherwise we won't stay on course and then we inevitably delay it. Right. So we do have the seven step program and there is a way to fast track that should anyone want faster results? But we find that one step each week tends to be the best balance anyone could establish. So, you know, you want to give yourself roughly seven to eight weeks. So we say roughly, you know, you can do it and you can short, you can fast track within 30 days if you want to do two steps per week. And we have had some do that. But again, you know, if they can allocate the time to it. Otherwise, it is really recommended to do one step a week. What's the maintenance like? I mean, if I I put in the seven to eight weeks, I help resolve and I come to kind of this place in my mind and my body altogether. Is this something then I, you have kind of mindsets to help me carry forward? Do I maybe check back in later? I'm just thinking of more traditional therapies in my mind. I might go, whether it's the dentist, the doctor, or the counselor, Resolve Thanks. an issue, I'm going to work on something. And then, man, six months or six years later, I might feel like I am right back where I was. Yes. Is that kind of a common thing, that the maintenance, the Absolutely. longevity of it? It's human nature. Absolutely. So once we've been to the program, we know the steps. We can go back to any of the one steps that we feel that we need the most, or we can even just do a refresher course over the seven steps. And that can take as little as 10 minutes to an hour. It, it really just depends on what level you feel that you're needing to um, engage, you know, in it and what maintenance that you feel that you need. But it really helps once we've been through it. It's like an obstacle course. There's that muscle memory now. And sometimes we just need a quick reframe or we just need one of the steps that need to be polished. So it could be pretty, it could be pretty easy maintenance. Yeah, that's interesting. How long does the course take the initial time when you first get involved in it? Yeah, Michelle, so what I was referring to was it, it's ideal 
to have go through the full seven steps, which mm-hmm. could be around seven weeks, because we recommend one step each week. And I apologize if I wasn't very clear about that. No. Some people want to fast track and, and get it done sooner, and they and they well, can. But any of but... us know super fast tracking anything just isn't likely to last. Right. Whether it, it's a diet, right. whether it's a therapy, with anything. If I really want the shortcut, then I'm probably not that committed to making change. Right. I mean, yeah, could you might taking... have to revisit it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Later. Someone could be taking time off work, and they want to dedicate a couple. You know, they may be very advanced, and so being immersed in this field. It could be somewhat familiar to them, and they just need to tweak a few things. And they can they can get it done in a month, but it is recommended mm-hmm. to do the seven steps, which is a step each week. So, so yeah. seven, and when she's talking about the seven awesome. steps, she's talking about the panacea, which is seven steps. Which you do it's it's an acronym. The panacea is okay. Step, is an acronym. And um, how long does each of those steps take? Is it an hour a day, an hour a week? What is it? Yeah, it's going to be different to everyone, but we say roughly an hour. Okay. Each, uh-huh. uh, yeah, each week or each day? Uh, if you do one step a week, it's about an hour a week. Oh, okay. You can, you that's, can not really time. Time that's not no, really time-intensive. But no, that's also, that would be the program. And then if you're doing one-on-ones, then you include that with it, which is usually another hour. Okay. Awesome. Well, very interesting. Well, I've really enjoyed having you guys on today. And um, I know you guys also have a podcast. What's your podcast name? Oh, I want to check that out. Holistic Psychology. You can still find anything, uh, any of our distribution channels under Liberated Living. Okay, awesome. I look forward to talking with you guys later and coming on your show (laughs) eventually. Yeah, we would love to have you on, Michelle. It's always enjoyable to talk with you. And Jenny, it's a pleasure to meet with you. No, it's great to talk with you. And I love, you know, just tying this back all into resilience and your your name, Liberated Living. Mm -hmm. How resilient resilient can I be as a human being if I'm liberated from my trauma, from my victimization, from the acts of dumb people around me? I mean, we we hold ourselves or we are held captive by so much in life. Mm -hmm. I love the concept of finding resilience by liberating my Mm -hmm. soul, my my being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love that. And I'm going to add liberating future generations. So we're liberating you, but also to generations moving forward. Yeah, because as we do our work, we help heal our, our children. Yeah, so that we're not continuing to pass down these unwanted, you know, epigenetic programming and conditions, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for coming on. It has been so great to talk to you and to our listeners. We hope you've enjoyed this show that's kind of been a little, like you said, untraditional and yet still right at the core of what we're talking about. Those of you listening, we hope you will give us a like, a rating, and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It helps other people find the show, and it can help us find you. We know you have a story, you have a journey, you've, you've been through something, you've overcome something, you've learned resilience along the way. We would love to have you share it. You can find us on Facebook at Relentlessly Resilient and Instagram, Relentlessly Resilient Podcast. Shoot us a message or a DM. We would love to connect with you and have you join us and tell your story and your journey of what resilience means to you. I'm super excited about this new year moving forward. We have some professionals in different fields coming on. I loved having Camille and Corinne on today for a holistic look at how we can help heal our lives and the lives of our children and a posterity moving forward. Thank Remember, you. 
Whatever you do today, remember to be kind. You have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their lives. Have a great day. Take care, everybody. Bye. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.